This two-week series that we're getting into right now is not called Big Give. It's called Give Big. And uh, we're just going to focus in on the power of generosity and, and love what we're going to talk about. But speaking of the generous and those who serve, we have to say thank you to our veterans for sure. Um, because the only way we have the freedom and the opportunity to serve each other is because we live in a place that is free and gives us that opportunity. We can rent a school. We can gather in it. We can openly share from the Bible without being oppressed as to what we can or can't say, and that is amazing. And we can't say thank you enough for sure. And uh, so we're jumping into a talk today that's called, What Good Is That? What Good Is That? And uh, we might as well just jump right into the Bible. We're going to read from John one of the books that's called a gospel in the Bible. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all record Jesus' life. John really focuses in on how much Jesus loved us, and it really gives us a tangible expression of his love for us. And he records one story that happened in the life of Jesus in a way that I just think is, is the best for this two-week series before we go into an Advent series. It says this in verse 5 of John 6, Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Let me read that just one more time. He already knew what he was going to do. Verse 7, Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we would, wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces, filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. Crazy miracle, right? Our big idea today is God already has a plan. God already has a plan. Jesus saw the need of the people, but already had a plan to answer that need. Now, I want to remind you just, or maybe make you aware of something that we do in our process here at Open Life. We have a team that helps develop the talks for both campuses, and, and we do it in advance. We have an idea for the, the year of what we're going to preach and how it all fits together, and so we prepared this a while back. We prepare our, our, our talks beforehand, and, and this point here, uh, we prepared this Give Big series weeks ago, and the text we're sharing from was due to the series, not the season, but it's interesting how this applies to what we're facing right now in our world. When you kind of just say, okay, 
pause on the Giving Big series and let's look at what our world is staring at and kind of take that same approach to comfort us in the midst of a moment of confusion in our world, right? Um, I don't think it matters who you voted for or if you voted. Everybody this week at one point or shape or way or form was shocked at the results of the presidential election in America. And uh, our talk is not about our election. Uh, today's talks about generosity and its potential. But when you look at what this passage just said, taking into consideration the election and the reality that God's going to work everything for, for his good, and you kind of know some, some things to encourage our spirit, but what about the reality that Jesus says here, this principle that you know holds true for God, he already knew what he was going to do. You could probably, already, you could probably say as well, God already knew what we were going to do. And not that God did this election. That's all on us, right? That's not his fault. But he will turn any situation that we face into his good for our benefit. He could take a bad thing and make it great. That's God. He could take lack and make it abundance. God's not sitting up in heaven and going, oh, Jeepers, that's the word, snickerdoodles or whatever, you know, snickers. What are, you know, he's not up there going, oh, man, what am I going to do now with the U.S. of A? He's not doing that. He's up there going, well, let's do this, this, and this, and let's bless our people, and uh, let's move on from here. God's going to work everything for our benefit. We're promised that in the Bible. We just studied Romans, right? And I want to actually draw your attention to a message that we preached a couple weeks ago. If you're following along with us on the app, we actually put the talk from a few weeks ago from Romans 13 uh, called Won't You Be My Neighbor that Jaden preached. It's awesome. One of the most listened to talks in the recent few weeks. We put it right there below the fill-in notes for a reason. That If you weren't here on that week and you're just wrestling over this election and the results, go back and listen to that talk. Realize God's got it under control. And be encouraged by that talk. Because we studied exactly what we're supposed to do with the authorities and the governing authorities in our land and how God wants us to pray for them. And, and all that is in that talk. And I just want you to be encouraged by that. And uh, because he's got it in control. He's got everything in control. We're not abandoned. We're not on our own now. So circling Circling back to that should bring incredible encouragement to you. But also, this thought of he already has in mind what he's going to do is massive in the indication of generosity. And the moment that he's trying to teach his disciples here is what we're going to glean from. And I think one of the, the greatest things we can do to be encouraged is to be generous. That's one of the things... God has just given us an opportunity to freely give, and when we give, it comes back to us. And there's even passages like this written in the Bible. Proverbs 11:25 says, "The generous will prosper, and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed." So you're in a place today 
that is going to give you an opportunity to be refreshed. Isn't that awesome news? Because we could all use a, just a good dose of refreshing. And I know the banner says refresh next to the coffee. That's step one, right? Step two, after coffee. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, step one is, is, is God, and, and he'll refresh us. And he really refreshes us when we refresh others. We need to grab a hold of that today and be encouraged. Our future is bright. The best is coming. So uh, back to the moment John recorded. Because it's actually, we got to visualize this. This is like an amazing moment that is happening that we can glean some, some great insights from. And we'll, we'll look at this both this weekend and next week. Uh, there's a crowd of 5,000 men alone, it points out. What does that mean? Well, there's women and children too. They just know that there was 5,000 men. So let's say there's 15,000 to 20,000. Put that into perspective. The average attendance at a Mariners game that's not good news, by the way. There should be, if it's like 47,000 at Safeco. So that explains a lot. Um, that's the reality, uh, is there's a crowd about the size of an average crowd at a Mariners game gathered, hungry. They've been seeking to get to Jesus for one of many reasons. Maybe they want healed. Maybe they just want to hear this teaching. Maybe, uh, you know, they want to they want to figure out if, if they should put their faith in the Son of God, Jesus, man, that they've heard of. And so there's a huge crowd there listening to him. It's getting late in the day. People are exhausted both spiritually and physically. And the disciples, those that are closest to Jesus, are kind of figuring this out. And they're going, we kind of see a problem coming, and we want to help solve it. And so that's the scenario. And Jesus notices that the, the mumbling and notices what's happening. And so he decides to break the ice, right? He's the one that says, hey, why don't you guys uh, go get some bread for these guys? And that's when the test is in full motion. It says he was testing Philip for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip's like, that's a half a year's wages. Are you kidding me? Who could do that? Yet, Andrew's like, boy, has got a picnic basket over there. I'm just saying. It's not the best bread. Barley bread. Interesting study as I was researching this. It, it, the reason it's identified, Jesus asked for bread, but they identified the bread that the boy had as barley bread. What does that mean? That it's the bread of the poor. They could only afford barley to make bread, and it was not good per se. That's what they said. It was flavorless. It just wasn't the best bread. It's not your French bread you smell when you walk up to the counter at a grocery store that just makes you drool and have to take it home for that lasagna because they pair really well. Okay, moving on. Jesus was inviting Philip into being a part of an answer and seeing if he would have the faith to be a part of that answer, but Philip saw the obstacle. Philip saw the obstacle instead of the opportunity, and he's in front of Jesus who's done some incredible things already. He focuses on the cost. He focuses on how much of the wages that would be of everybody present. He focuses on the, the little, and, and the glass is half empty, 
right? It's just, that's kind of his perspective in the impossible versus the possible. But maybe God wants us to realize we don't have to have the means. We don't have to have the means to the solution that is obvious. They didn't have the means to feed these people, but they had to have faith in the one who could provide. And Jesus is testing them right there. Verse 9, when Andrew says, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish, but what good is that? What good is that? Let's see here. All they had was wine at the wedding, or water at the wedding, and Jesus turned it into wine. Blind people have received sight already from Jesus, whom they're talking to. Uh, He provided a miraculous catch that these disciples even chose to follow Jesus after. They hadn't caught anything all day or night, and Jesus says, well, throw your net on that side, and they catch so much their boats are going to sink. Jesus caught their taxes in a fish's mouth. Jesus raised dead people. He healed the lame, gave sight to the blind, cast out demons from people who were everyone else on this planet were afraid of. Jesus calms storms, walks on water. 20,000 hungry people? I think he can do that, right? So that's really what the disciples were facing is that question. Jesus doesn't expect us to bring a miracle out of what we don't have, but out of what we do have. That's what Jesus is looking for. So thought one, God uses what you have for his plan. So the disciples, I just visioned this, they're, they're huddled up with Jesus. They're brainstorming, right? What are we going to do to feed these people? They're hungry. I heard one stomach growl from 10 feet away. What are we going to tell them? And uh, it's Andrew. It's Andrew. And I don't know what the tone was exactly like, but can you imagine? He's like, well, there is a boy. We're going to eat him? What are we going to do? You know, like, was there a pause there? That's weird. That's sick, Andrew. No. There's a young boy, which could mean anything from little to like 18 years old in their culture. And he has two fish and five barley loaves of bread. Did he pause mid-sentence with doubt? Did he have excitement at the beginning and read it? Maybe it would have been read like this. Man, there's a young boy here and, uh, with five loaves and two fish. Yeah, what good is that with this huge crowd? Right? Is that how it was read? Did he stutter through it? Um, uh, 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 guys, lots of wages. I agree. Philip, insightful. There's a boy. Was it? He's, guys, you know, he, has, he only has, if we tore apart the bread, I mean, if you measured the bread, you tore it into 20,000 sections. No, guys, you know, how did this play out? You got to realize this. Was he in the middle of that and the boy, or was it before that, did the boy tap on his back and go, <clears throat> sir, sir, here, here. Did he already have the basket in his hand? We don't have that descriptor. We can only put ourselves in the scene and try to figure this out. But he's willing to hand it over. The miracle Jesus is seeking is not through what we don't have. Again, it's, it's in what we can do with what we have. So the boy is just like, right? Jesus wants to work through us. And we just, we just sang how beautiful it is when, when 
God is flowing through me. Oh, how beautiful. Jesus wasn't looking for our faith in the loaves and fish. He was looking for our faith in his power to make something out of nothing here with these loaves and fish. Thought two, be willing to give what you have. Having it and not giving it, or having it and giving it, right? Two very different things. It's one thing to say, yeah, I believe in that. It's one thing to say, here you go, Jesus. The boy had to surrender what he had for Jesus to do what he was going to do, that he had in mind already to do. We may want Jesus to do amazing things in people's lives around us, but we have to be willing to just put our faith in him. The boy was probably ecstatic. I mean, this is the thing that just resonates with me. He had to have been so zealous. Think of that childlike faith and the zeal and just generosity of kids. Now, I'll mess around with kids every once in a while when they come out of kids' church and they've got a sucker or a candy, and I'll go, is that for me? And they'll go, "Uh uh-uh, sucker, right? And they just kind of, they go, no, 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 don't touch my candy. But... Other times, you know, maybe they've got some and, and they're just like, you'll tease them and you go, hey, is some of that for me? And you're like, no, I'm kidding. I, I really don't want your candy. Oh, you know, and now I feel like I'm stealing candy from a baby. But think of this. There's 20,000 people here. This boy is with a family. He's there to see Jesus. Jesus is like famous right now in the eyes of everyone. And he's seeking a miracle. He's able to feed everybody. If only somebody would put some faith on the line. And the boy observes that. He becomes aware of that and says, here's my lunch. I bet he was like, (gasps) put yourself in this situation. You go to the Seahawks game. You're there in the stands, jersey on, face painted. Maybe a green mohawk. Hulk muscles like these. I'm just kidding. Okay, so I'm really visualizing here, guys. Help me out. Um, But you're there, and you're cheering on the Seahawks, and you bring with you a football. Regulation size. You're hoping during some point before, after, you show up way earlier there to get a signature, to do something. You're holding that ball. The game's going. And all of a sudden, you hear the team huddled up. You have sweet seats because you can hear the team talking, right? And you have sweet seats. And and the team's huddling up. And they're like, we don't know what to do. We found out all the balls are deflated. Some guy named Brady. I don't know what it was about, but... They're playing this crazy team, 5.30 tonight. But you're there. You have a ball. Yours is pumped up to regulation, inflation. And so you're like, Russell, you catch eyes. The music's playing. I don't know what music you would hear if you connected eyes with Russell. But you throw in the ball, and they go out on the field. You don't get the signature right then, but your ball's in the game. They're playing football with your prized possession. 
I think that would be just as powerful, if not more powerful, than any signature you could get in the world. I mean, you're telling people, no, no, seriously, like, that was me. I saved the game because Brady deflated everything, right? <laughs> and you get to just say that for, like, the rest of your life. That's the boy. That's his lunch. Picture that. That's the reality of this moment. Like, that's how huge this would be for this little guy and his lunch. You didn't just get something from the game. You became a part of it, right? And this boy didn't just get a meal that satisfied him this day. He got to provide it. The miracle went right through him. Jesus didn't doubt the gift. He gave thanks for it. Isn't that powerful? It's like, thank you, God, for this food. Dude. Amen. And just tore pieces of it. They went out. Everybody sat down, which, you know, they're sitting there receiving this food. Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks to God, which leaves us thought three. Wow, I'm ending this message really early today. But anyway, uh, I get thumbs up. What? I saw that. Okay, moving on. Uh, but thought three, what you have is enough. What you have is enough. The disciples didn't see enough, but Jesus didn't ask for enough. That wasn't the question at all. He just asked what they could use to feed people and had in mind what he was going to do beforehand. He didn't ask them, hey, do we have enough here to feed them? It's our human nature to be calculated. Everything we do, we just sit there and we, we do the math, we project it. We, I mean, we're so intentional in our lives oftentimes. And our math is drastically different than God's. So different. I mean, he says, water into wine. Well, I can walk on water. Well, that's not scientifically possible. But it is with Jesus. Feed 5,000 men, give me five loaves. Doesn't make sense. It's impossible. We can't look at the needs around us and say, I don't have enough. Because you do. You have something. And something in Jesus' eyes is exactly what he's looking for. He just wants us to be available, to be willing. What we have is enough. It was the disciples, those closest to Jesus, that didn't believe in this scenario. Which just makes us aware, man, if maybe some of you are just freshly exploring Jesus, that's incredible. You're in the same position as these 20,000 people here trying to figure out, is this Jesus for real? And they experience a miracle. But other of us, like the disciples, if you've been following Jesus for a while, sometimes we can become so familiar with Jesus, we try to calculate his potential, what he can do. We try to make sense of what Jesus is going to do, which catches us because Jesus wants to surprise us. He wants us to be in awe. He wants to astonish us. He's not predictable. And we need to not underestimate the little we can do. In his eyes, it becomes massive. Not only was the boy's faith enough, his willingness was enough, and his offering of his five loaves and two fish was enough to feed 15 to 20,000 people that day. Not just feed them, 
But as we'll talk about next week, they were satisfied. Enough that they had baskets of leftovers. Tell you who left satisfied that day. A boy. Because he was part of the answer. He was refreshed, right? Which brings us to our action point for today. Our action point is simple. Give what you have. Listen to Jesus. Give what you have. I don't know what that is for you. But you may have shown up today feeling defeated because of what's going on in the world. For me, you dubbed loss yesterday. It's painful. I'm down. I got to admit it. Where was their offense? I have no idea. I thought I wasn't going to talk about this. I need to get off this subject. Okay, moving on. Depressing. My boys. But the generous will be refreshed. We just need to find that refreshing for our lives. You may have come today thinking one meal is not enough. If, that's, if, you, if you were prepped, if you read the blog, if you understood today we were going to take a big give offering because we were praying that we could provide four to $5,000 worth of uh, income towards purchasing meals for those in need. I thought it would be cool, man. What if we could provide 200 meals as a church? Crazy thing is, is we've already had over $2,100 come in online before we even showed up for this day. And so we're just looking at this going, God, if I gave $25 for a meal, is that enough? He's not asking for enough. He just wants you to be obedient. He wants you to be willing. He wants you to participate. God gives us this opportunity to be a part of a miracle in someone's life in our community because what we've discovered is there are almost a thousand people who've really, we've put 1,400 vouchers for free meals in people's hands and hope, hopes that 70% of them show up. Not hoping that 30% of them don't. <laughs> we've just calculated over the last six years that only 70% show up. So we put those in people's hands that say, I have a need for Thanksgiving. And we hear stories back about people who have thought they weren't even going to have a Thanksgiving meal themselves, but are able to invite a neighbor over or able to invite their family to their home for the first time. I mean, not only should you participate today in the offering we're about to take, you should come Saturday to hear the stories. Carry out a basket of food to someone's car and look in their face, connect eyes with them. Be like that boy giving the meal to Jesus because it's that's the heart stuff. That messes with your heart in a good way because when we're generous, we're refreshed. So I, I'm just praying for willingness today and that uh, we would both, both be willing to serve Jesus when he gives us an opportunity, but as well that we would be willing to to give generously today and, and supplies meals for those in our community that otherwise would not have a Thanksgiving meal. But you get to be a part of the answer and your heart's going to be refreshed today. So I'm going to pray over us. Pray over this week. Pray over next Saturday. And pray that we would be refreshed together as we say, here I am, Jesus. Here it is, Jesus. Here's my offering. Um, they're going to sing a song and and uh, remind us that Jesus wants to flow through us and it's beautiful and we praise him for it. And then 
uh, we'll have a video that comes and tells us how to give and all that good stuff. So Lord, I thank you that you give us miracle moments like this that we can look into, like this boy giving up his lunch, his dinner. And I just pray that God, when we have opportunity to be a part of what you're doing, we would be as ecstatic as that boy must have been. That our life would just be so illuminated by the opportunity for you to work through our generosity. God, we anticipate the refreshing, the uplifting, even in our spirit that we can't express, that we can't equate or define. And and maybe today somebody walked through this door and they're just trying to figure out who's Jesus. Man, may they see you as this generous, miracle-working lover of all people, the whole crowd. You didn't segment just a portion of the crowd. You didn't just feed the disciples that were closest to you. You fed everyone because you love us all. May we grasp that today. May we understand that you're for us, you're not against us, and you can't wait to flow through us as we put our faith on the line. Bless our giving today here in a few moments. Multiply it so that we can meet the need that this community is facing as we bring companies together and churches together and all the food banks together, the school district together to feed those who have expressed they wouldn't have a Thanksgiving meal without this moment called Big Give next Saturday morning. And bless that moment. God, give us dry weather. Give us a great and fun environment to serve those in the community that are in a position of need. We give you praise for even the opportunity to do it. Lift us up, refresh us today in Jesus' name. Amen.